0: SportsCenter, every 20 minutes, only on ESPN Central Texas. Second goal from the two, straight eye behind Bohannon, makes the handoff, gonna throw it, he's got it, touchdown, oh it's Dylan Doyle, a second homecoming special, he has a touchdown rushing, he has a touchdown
1: receiving, two touchdowns today for Dylan Doyle. Oh, there it was, the call. Homecoming special right there for Dylan Doyle, catching the ball, running the ball, and uh, some exciting things happening there with a a capacity crowd, and the LDS folks showed up uh, in droves. We are now joined by Kevin Longquist. Kevin's been known to hop on a uh, treadmill when he visits with us or an elliptical. (laughs) But uh, Kevin... um, it's always good to have you, and uh, this is a, this, is, this was a really good win for the Bears. This was a standard game, as, um, as Dave Aranda talked about it. Before we kind of dig into that game, I always like to kind of you, – you're a guy who sent your, your kids to SEC schools, the nuttiness of the SEC with LSU already, uh, not even two years removed from a national title, and they've basically already fired their uh, their coach and everything. Do you think – I mean, my gut tells me that, of course, maybe they'll go for Jimbo. Jimbo says he wants to stay at A&M. Maybe – I don't know exactly where they'll go. But if they arrived at Dave Aranda and said, we're going to go back up the truck and give Dave whatever he needs, my gut tells me Dave Aranda is, is too smart – to go put himself in that kind of environment, and he doesn't even seem to me wired to want to be in that environment. Am I being naive? Because I am a Baylor Um, Bear, as you know. Right. I I would
0: say yes and no, Matt. I I think the part for me says that he wouldn't do it because I think he needs to be a little bit more comfortable in his own skin running a program, and he's only 16 games into it. And he just squared his books at eight and eight. Um, and the fact that he's finding his footing, he knows what he wants to do in a foot, with the football program. And really, you know, I, I still want to throw out that first year because he didn't have an offseason. He wasn't, as a first-time first-year head coach, he just didn't get to build anything structurally uh, to get that first year off the ground, if you will. And now this year he does. And obviously the changes that he's made with his staff and how this team is playing far beyond what I thought they were going to be playing at this year at this point um, is all good. And I think Dave would probably like to get a little bit more settled. And I think from a political standpoint, if you do have an eye on the LSU job, you want to be the guy that follows the guy that follows. O. in my opinion. So I think from that standpoint, you know, if whether that's Jimbo Fisher or if that could be Luke fickle or even pie in the sky, urban Meyer, then yeah. Um, I think the reason why he would co- go back to do it would be, number one, he knows the he knows Louisiana really well. He's a pretty solid recruiter, as we all saw. Uh, he's a defensive wizard, and that's one thing that LSU's defense, uh, where LSU has really struggled uh, in these last two years, is playing good, sound defense. And I think that's part of it. But I don't look at this situation right now where Dave is – for what you look at it, I don't think that he's among the top-tier pursuits. Because remember, you know, Scott Woodard is one of those guys who likes to go for the home run hire, the big name. I mean, look, he hired Kim Mulkey to take over his women's uh, program. And then he hired Jay Johnson, the Arizona baseball coach, who just took that team to the College World Series to run his baseball program. So I think that's kind of the way that he's looking here. And I think Dave is kind of in that second tier if they don't get what they want initially
1: yeah i tell you i mean o- only at lsu i mean all the things that are coming out now about coach o and the divorce and, and it, they act like his dating life you know he kind of got the, the 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 drinking and all that stuff cleared up he'd had issues with that earlier in his career but but he kind of was back out on the dating market kevin and 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 you know he got to bring in all the women to the up to the facility all the time and uh only at LSU or the FCC would something spiral out of control like this. Well, it's, it's truly I mean, remarkable.
0: Well, you know, Matt, it's one of those things where, I mean, it's not recognized as Coach O chaos for nothing. And so, I mean, it's just there's also just been a lot of mismanagement of that roster from people that I've talked to. And, obviously, there's also been a ton of uh, evaluation misses, too, to where they're just not getting – the types of kids that they used to. And I think you could make the argument that what happened in 2019 was kind of a shield as to what was going on. Joe Burrow has the quarterback season of all quarterback seasons in the history of college football. He has two outstanding coordinators, obviously in Dave Aranda and Joe Brady, who's now with Matt rule in Carolina and everything just came together magnificently in 2019. Well, once everybody bailed after the 2019 season,
1: Everything was exposed. Yeah, I I think you're right. And a lot of that came to fruition, and it was a perfect storm. And if you hire one of the Paulini brothers, you deserve what's coming to you. Because, I mean, you know, you've got (laughs) chaos ensues when those those guys show up on your campus. Okay, Kevin Mm -hmm. Longquist with Rivals.com joining us. Kevin does... Such a nice job covering the Bears and covering recruiting and all of those things. And you can follow him um, at, uh, Sikkim, at Sikkim Sports on Twitter is where I kind of can, can can watch him sometimes. Now, Kevin, um, take me back to Abram Smith. When he first arrived at Baylor, I mean, this guy has become a sledgehammer back for the Bears. And, and quite honestly, in a, Ebner's more of a, jack-of-all-trades, can help you in the pass game, all that kind of stuff, uh, and has right. speed, great, uh, um, you know, special teams type guy. Abram Smith has become a lead back for this team. What, what was Abram Smith when he arrived on the Baylor campus? And uh, is, is, is this what was expected of him, or is, has this sort of surprised you, uh, the kind of back he's become?
0: Well, first of all, thankfully, he is the lead back for this offense. I was kind of cheerleading for that for the last, I don't know, two or three weeks. But, you know, he he was a really solid running back at Abilene High, and he was kind of a late addition to one of Matt Rule's recruiting classes. And so he came here as a running back, and then when they had a little bit of an issue at, at linebacker, Rule approached him about switching to the defense and playing linebacker. And then of course, you know, Abram stepped in and played very well when Terrell Bernard went out last year with a shoulder injury at Iowa State. Um, but I think, you know, when, when Jeff Grimes arrived with this RVO approach and this wide zone offense, that he needed a more of a physical back to be the one who could operate it in the way they wanted it to, if they could get their offensive line to play at a physical level. And of course, with Abram's history of playing running back, he was a perfect candidate to do that. And, of course, since he knows it, uh, he can he could make the transition pretty seamlessly there. And, you know, he said something in spring, Matt, that, you know, the fact that he played linebacker, that now that he's lined up back on the offensive side of the field, he can kind of get a sense as to how the linebackers are going to play the run. And so he can kind of get into their mindset a little bit. And I think that's why he's been able to generate some success because he knows both sides of the football so well. And the fact that he broke off 188 yards against BYU on Saturday, uh, maybe not surprising, but what you would hope to see on a consistent basis. Think about this, Matt. He's probably going to break. He's probably going to go over 1,000 yards by what I would guess maybe TCU in three weeks. Maybe not. We'll see. But, I mean, he's going to break it. He's going to be the first Baylor running back to, to surpass 1,000 yards since Terrence Williams did it
1: in 2016. Isn't that something? I mean, he's had so many great backs uh, back in the day. That's, that's uh, man, 20, 2016. And and then before that, of course, Ganaway and some of those guys and then some of the ones well, that – Shock
0: Linwood, you're the leading, leading, all uh, leading a rusher there too.
1: <clears throat> that's amazing. We don't think of the yeah. – we think about the receivers in the in the Bryles era, and you're right, Shock one of the reasons how you become one of the all-time leaders is you got to play early. And Shock did yeah. play as a freshman, got thrown into the lineup. That may have had something to do with C Strunk being hurt. I can't remember, but uh, Lake put up some good numbers as well. It is um, the Matt Mosley show. Kevin Longquist joining us as we're kind of breaking things down. Uh, Kevin, that, what a what an interesting game plan that was. They really, I love that running back Algier. At um, at BYU, and they just bottled him up, and they did nothing in the run game. Now the trade-off was, they went, they threw it over the top some and had success. And that Nakua, whoa, I mean that guy yeah. can flat-out play. And quite honestly, they were left one-on-one. Uh, I I don't know if that was the plan or it just happened that way, but Tahada and Boogie Barnes, two pretty good cornerbacks, uh, really had trouble. Uh, defending those wide receivers, mainly that number 12. What did you make of that? Yeah. Was that simply that that was really the only thing available to BYU? Uh, is that something that Baylor fans should be worried about, them uh, uh, the BYU striking so uh, so much downfield like they did?
0: Well, I think, okay, so let's look at it like this. As a defense, You've got to make one thing your priority, and Baylor's priority was to shut down the running game. And it's like you can't shut everything down. It's it's really hard to do that to, in today's college football. You've got to take something away and try and make somebody one-dimensional. And really, outside of those four or five deep verticals that, Jer- that Jaron Hall threw, BYU's offense didn't do very much. And I, I think the game plan of saying it, we've got to take away Al Deer from them and because he's ver- he's been a very successful running back for them, and the fact that, you know, they, they know how to play the, the, uh, the wide zone offense anyway, that obviously helps help them prepare for this game. I think over the top, I, you know, that's going to be interesting because I'm sure Texas is going to look at this. You know, they've got to buy this week too. I'm sure Texas is going to look at this and say, what can we expose against Barnes and Tejada over the top and putting them on an island to give ourselves a chance to expose us? I think Texas's offense is going to be a little bit more explosive than what BYU's is going to be. Um, But I think for the most part, I thought Baylor, you know, Baylor's just basically telling BYU, you've got to beat us over the top with some some deep verticals on this. Um, And and Baylor wants to play man. So if you play man, you're going to, you're asking for, you know, you either are going to knock it away or it's going to be overthrown or or it's going to get caught. Um, And, you know, there was just a couple of times when Nakua made just outstanding catches on that, where you tip your cap to him. It's like you, you've got to make a choice how you want to play somebody defensively, and I think shutting down the running game for the Cougars was the way Baylor wanted to do this, and obviously it proved effective because Avir didn't even have 35 yards rushing; I think he had 33. Yeah. And so, and, and and really that score, you know, that score, Matt, that thing was not as close. Even just like West Virginia. Not as close as the score, said because Baylor dominated both lines of the scrimmage. We all want utopian football, where it all looks great, we're stopping everything, can't be stopped on the offensive end. But as I remind people, there are two teams on the field, and the other one wants to win, too. So they're not just going to lay down and say, just run right over us, even though we're playing in your building. That doesn't work that way.
1: Well, I I was I thought the BYU people showed up. I thought that was a good crowd. I thought they made some noise. That was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, Bear, Bears better uh, shore that up against Texas and OU and not be selling those things on secondary markets. If 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 people in my section, of course I'm up there with you in the press box, but my family's you know in season tickets. If folks do that near me. I I I go find them, Kevin. I kind of hunt them down. <laughs> By the way, how about that Kalani Sataki? How about that guy? Did you see that on that that quarterback keeper that went for whatever it was, forty-five, fifty yards, when BYU scored? I've I don't think I've ever seen a head coach get that excited on the sideline. I mean, that's the dangest thing I have seen, and you got to love it. You can kind of see why people want to go there and play for that guy, Kalani yeah. Sataki. I mean, that was that was kind of fun to watch. I got inspired watching Kalani over there.
0: Yeah, I mean, some coaches just have have, you know, just get so involved in a football game that uh, they let their emotions uh, carry over. Obviously, they got to rein it in a little bit. And of course, he should be excited. He just got a contract extension earlier this year. So, um, but you know, it, it's I thought the other thing too is that there's a this is this preview, basically, of what the future Big 12 is going to be with, obviously, the Bears going up to Provo next year. Then, of course, the conference season with their conference schedule with, with BYU is supposed to start maybe 2023. And, by the way, it was a very nice little uh, pregame ceremony that they had with uh, Baylor officials and BYU officials just welcoming them to the Big 12 with Bob Bowlesby on the field as well just kind of a goodwill gesture to get that going there. And so yeah. it's about it's about the way you wanted to get it to, to 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 get it started there. I I think that's you know, for for a conference that was in so much turmoil basically two and a half months ago, Matt, they've come out of this on the other side looking pretty good. Again, maybe not as strong as what they had with OU and Texas leaving, but they don't have to apologize for it because I still think that they're kind of on an even queue the Pac twelve as well as the ACC, as well as the ACC, if Clemson's decline kind of continues, what yeah. we've seen—they're not really where they were. I mean, now if Clemson goes back, you know, we see them as a you know college football playoff contender and winning national titles, and so that kind of changes the ACC. But I think you get the point.
1: All right, well, let's take a road trip to Provo next year, and um, I want to go see that Tabernacle Choir. I don't think they let Baptist into the Tabernacle. But if we could get a peek in there, oh, I'd love to hear that choir. I've always wanted to see them in person. The Mormons really have some angelic voices. Uh, it's a young religion, but it's a good, you know, they're uh, good folks.
0: Yes. Uh, and if you've ever heard them do any of their Christmas songs, especially my favorite uh, Christmas carol, uh, the Carol of the Bells, they kill that one.
1: The Carol, <laughs> I love that. I love that you know about their Carol of the Bells. You sound like it's a team, like they killed the quarterback. The the Tabernacle Choir kills the Carol of the Bells. All right, um, tell you what we'll do at the top. Yeah. No, at 5 o'clock, top of the 5, Aaron, if you would look up the Tabernacle Choir Carol of the Bells, that's what I want to come back with. I want to hear. I want to see if we can find some of that. Hey, Kevin, all my best, okay?
0: Always a pleasure, Matt. Take care.